Good morning, everyone. Uh, getting closer and closer. We are seven days from the election. And big news yesterday, Libertarian candidate for Senate Mark Victor, who was on the show last week, has decided to drop out of the race. You're going to hear a little bit from the interview they did with him on Arizona's Morning News. Uh, I think that is big news. But is it going to be too late? Now, we know that there have been so many voters out there that have already cast their vote. This is one of the reasons why I go to the polls. Um, and this is not a criticism of anyone. I'm just saying I go to the polls because of things like this. If something were to happen dramatic at the very end. So even, you know, early voters that have already cast their ballot, most of them, most, not all, but most of them are the Democrat voters. We know that they are the, the demographic that votes the most early. But could this help uh, with Mark Victor dropping out? Could it help Blake Masters? That's the big question. It is not only that Mark Victor dropped out of the race. He has thrown his support behind um, be, behind Blake Masters. I want you to hear a little bit of what he said this morning. When he talked about not having regrets, I decided it's in the interest of freedom and peace and civility for me to drop out and support Blake. I have no regrets. So he has no regrets, none at all. And uh, was he pressured by these campaigns? Funniest thing I ever heard that I would be pressured by either campaign. Yeah, and that if anybody's ever met Mark Victor, he doesn't isn't the kind of guy that uh, is going to be. Um, pressured by anyone. Um, so why did he decide to get out of the race? What was it? And for why would he throw his support behind Blake Masters? I got to say, Blake won me over in that conversation. I liked the guy. I think he was sincere. And uh, while we didn't agree on everything, I mean, nothing's perfect, right? I feel very strongly he's best for the people of Arizona. So that, that to me is uh, obviously an endorsement. And how far will it go? Will it help him? Because at one poll, there was a poll that was out that showed a, he had a big spike as a libertarian candidate, that he had more support than a lot of other people. And people were wondering if it was a protest vote against both candidates. And, and I don't know the answer to that question. Um, I had Mark Victor on the show. He seemed like a very sincere person in the, his beliefs and said that he's getting out of the race. He thinks in the interest of freedom and peace, though his words, not mine, that he needed to drop out and throw a support behind Blake Masters. Will this tighten the race further? We're getting so close to this with people filling out their ballots. What now will people do if their libertarian choice is not there? Does this automatically help the Republican candidate? And will it help even more that this candidate decided to throw his support fully behind Blake Masters. Uh, I want you to hear a little expanded. This is a little expanded conversation about not being pressured by either campaign. Funniest thing I ever heard that I would be pressured by either campaign. Uh, I'm not a guy that's easily pressured. I can assure you of that. But I am inclined to do whatever is in the interest of freedom and peace. So uh, it was. Uh, that's pretty interesting that he was saying he doesn't get pressure because he isn't the type of guy to, t- to cave into pressure from anyone. So that is where his support goes. The story coincides with this. Five races that will return or that will determine the Senate majority. Arizona first on the list, probably in alphabetical order, but er- uh, Arizona number one. One of the five states on this list, Democrats have the best chance of holding Mark Kelly's seat, though Blake Masters has closed the gap in recent weeks is how that begins. So of those uh, five races, there it goes there, Georgia with Herschel Walker and uh, Warnock, Senator Warnock. Nevada is another one of the states. Pennsylvania, we know, is always a very is going to be a very very hotly contested race. And then finally, Wisconsin. And so I, you you look at this and you think the landscape in Washington D.C. How is it all going to fall? What does it all mean? And I think just like any other midterm election, it's going to come down to turnout. Which party 
is going to turn out their candidates. Now, there seems to be excellent turnout here, major turnout for a midterm election because I think people are really heated. There is more of a heated debate going on in America, and I mean heated in a good way. I think that the American people are, are you know, planning a course and sending a message. We're going to talk about the usual things today. The economy is coming up right around the corner. The president is upping his pressure on oil companies, calling it war profiteering and making threats of a dramatic windfall tax that they want to levy. Um, we'll talk about that, of course, the border issue when there was some violence at the border between Venezuela and migrants who are trying to enter the country illegally and Border Patrol, where um, I think uh, – Rubber bullets were used to repel the people that were trying to come into the country. But what about um, what about what people are discussing in, in the economy and who do they trust most to do this? Um, here in the state of Arizona, it has all been – the talk has been about MAGA candidates, has been about Donald Trump-endorsed candidates. When it comes down to it, is that going to be the decider for people? Meaning – if he's Trump endorsed or she is Trump endorsed, am I 100 percent behind or 100 percent against? There were a couple of interesting things in polling, um, and I don't know. I'm not a pollster, so I can't tell you the true meaning behind all of this. Just my suspicions. And one of the one of the things that was asked: Are you voting for a candidate or against a candidate? And a large number of voters that are voting for Katie Hobbs are voting against Carrie Lake. It's more of a protest vote against Lake than it is a support vote in, in favor of Hobbs. And the majority of Lake voters are supporting Lake. So does that mean that it's weak support for Hobbs? I don't know the answer to that question. I just know when you look at those kind of numbers, when you look at those things happening – Questions start to be asked by people, and the questions are now, uh, do people have faith in whoever wins this race or in, in Katie Hobbs winning the race, or is it they just want to see anybody uh, except Carrie Lake in that office? I don't know that that's a way to win or run a campaign. Uh, go back to my first jump into politics with both feet as far as being involved is going back to the Bush campaign in 2004. And in 2004, I volunteered on the Bush campaign and was asked to speak at things around the country. So I was not nearly as immersed in the campaign as many others, but it was my first foray into seeing how some things work. There were a group of people that called themselves the ABBs, the Anybody But Bushes. They believed you could run a ham sandwich against him and beat him because he was such an unpopular president in 2004. It was a misguided idea. As a matter of fact, they did run a ham sandwich named John Kerry, who got – just trounced in the election because he was just a bad candidate. And they just believed, and there are some that believe this, that when when you have a disdain for someone and the people that you're friends with who think like you have a disdain for someone, everybody hates that person. And it you know it, it is it is a tribal mentality that doesn't always play out. The idea that the vast majority of people that vote in Arizona know the ins and outs of candidates is not true. There's a reason why campaign ads work. Work because people many times are getting introduced to candidates by what they see in ads for or against a candidate. That's why people take endorsements if it's from an, an endorser from someone that they like or somebody that they are familiar with. That's why those things matter, and that's why I still believe that debates matter. I think it was a mistake for um, Katie Hobbs to not debate, and I think it's because that's when voters who have no clue – 
you hear all these things. Carrie Lake is this and Katie Hobbs is that. I want to see for myself how they handle themselves. And when you see them on stage, when you see them in a debate scenario, when you see them answering questions and follow-up questions, you get a better taste of what they'll do and how they think on their feet and how well they know issues. Because you know, when you're asked a follow-up question about a position on something, it's much easier, much, much easier to defend your position when you know the ins and outs of your position. If you are using a campaign slogan, if what you are saying is what you are told to say, or it's more of a bumper sticker than it is anything else, when people pry and press a little bit, that 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 position sometimes falls apart or becomes unclear, and people can see that. If you're not familiar, I can – if I'm having a discussion with somebody and they're talking about something I'm not that familiar with, if it is a casual discussion, I can fake my way through it most of the time with the very superficial understanding I have of that issue. But the more they dig and the more they explain and the more they ask, it becomes more and more clear that I'm not necessarily good on that issue or I'm not sound on that issue. And that's what debates provide people. And when you refuse to do that at the highest level of office, I believe it can be damaging for a campaign because people out there are looking for a reason to vote for you or against you. And I think people become tone deaf to the negative ads and the negativity that's out there. At some point, it becomes just sound. You know, when you hear over and over again something, people just kind of tune it out. They want to know for themselves. On the other hand, there are people out there that are set in their ways and their minds will never be changed. In sales, it's the difference between a prospect and a suspect. You will talk to a prospect all day long to get them to buy what you're selling. But if they're a suspect and all they want to do is argue and there's no changing their mind, you're going to move on to someone else. And it's an interesting way of looking at things. We're going to get I want to get more into what's happening in the country and the reason why I think Joe Biden is off the campaign trail so much is because of what is happening as things begin to kind of unravel. The big story in the last few days has been about the cost of diesel fuel and that diesel fuel is becoming more and more expensive because we're in shorter and shorter supplies. So specifically, we'll talk about that. But other things having to do with our economy coming up in just a few moments. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Excuse me, ma'am. I saw you walking. Hey, thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending some time with the Mike Broomhead Show this morning. Uh, a couple of guests coming up in the 10 o'clock hour at 10.05. We are going to talk with Karen Taylor Robeson about her uh, her choice to support Prop 308. And then Byron Donalds joins us at the bottom of the 10 o'clock hour. We are going to talk about support for Carrie Lake. If you don't know who Byron Donalds is, look him up. Very frequent guest on a lot of cable news channels, making a lot of noise within the Republican Party about changing things and the views and taking it in another direction. So we'll talk with him about his support for Carrie Lake and why he would travel across the country to support her. That's all coming up. But right now we talk about fuel prices. The new, well, I shouldn't say new, it's been happening, but getting now getting more attention is a shortage of diesel fuel and why it's happening. And there is an interesting story as U.S. diesel suppliers warn businesses to prepare for shortages, and that means prices are going to go up. So I want you to hear a couple of things. This is a guy named uh, Stephen Kelly Long. He's a long-haul driver, long-haul trucker, and had this to say about the fuel spike. We used to have $1,000 to get fuel every 24-hour period, they had to move that up to $1,500. 
So that is a big expense. And what it costs to go coast to coast is also something else. You go coast to coast, like when I run the coast, I feel six times, three on the way out and three on the way back. That's like $6,000 just in fuel. So when you have that kind of expense, now you multiply that. If you look around here, around town, um, one of the largest trucking companies, I believe, in the world is Swift. Um, and they are they have a big hub here. Um, they also have Swift Aviation. But when you have a company where you have that kind of vehicles on the road, another thing with our construction industry and what's going on, take a look at how much concrete is getting poured. What do you think transports that? It is big trucks. Those concrete trucks have diesel engines. And when you are driving those vehicles, when you are have putting on that kind of mileage, this kind of an expense changes everything. I bring this all up because the President of the United States has chosen, instead of uh, addressing the shortage issue and trying to figure out how to produce more, he is now going after the oil companies for obscene profits. He's calling it profiteering. So I want you to hear a couple of things. He calls it war profits. Their profits are a windfall of war. The windfall from the brutal conflict that's ravaging Ukraine and hurting tens of millions of people around the globe. And so their battle lines have been drawn. And um, the oil industry is responding to some of this. I want you to hear just part of the response. This is from ABC News. President Biden claims the companies are, quote, war profiting off the conflict in Ukraine and urge them to use their cash to expand production or lower their prices. The oil and gas industry dismissing Biden's statement as campaign rhetoric. The American Petroleum Institute saying oil companies do not set prices. Global commodities markets do. And that is also the same thing that the Biden administration has said time and time again. When they were being criticized for high fuel prices here in the States, they made the world know that, hey, we don't set the prices. That is set on the international market. We now know that what is happening is OPEC has made an agreement with other nations. They are going to decrease production by 2 million barrels per day, which is going to drive up the cost of oil even more. They have the power to do this because we have lost our energy independence. And again, I'm asking this as an honest question so people will think. You don't have to agree with me. I'm just asking you to think of a reasonable response to what I'm about to state. The very same oil companies that are profiteering and getting war profits, as the president calls them, war profits here in the United States, the same companies that are profiteering now where gasoline prices are as high as they are, not at records anymore, but still high, are the exact same oil companies that were charging you less than $3 a gallon for four straight years during the Trump administration. Is that policy? As a part of what the administrations do to either help the industry or hurt the industry? Or is that policy of the oil companies? Did they just like Donald Trump better? What were the circumstances in the world? Now that you're going to talk about COVID, as we came out of COVID, they were still climbing under the Biden administration. We were at one point producing enough so that we were able to be energy independent, that if the OPEC nations wanted to decrease, we could increase. We had a larger seat at the table to negotiate and set oil prices. We no longer have that seat at the table. We have given that up. And as far as production goes, they're saying that they should increase production. That's an easy thing to say to an industry that you have already said in less than 15 years you are going to run out of business. The state of California is going to get rid of gas-powered vehicles by 2035. That's what they just said. The president of the United States says he wants to be on a pathway to do that as well. The OPEC nations are saying they're going to see very high demand for oil until at least mid-century. 
So while the rest of the world is preparing for that, this is the direction we are going. So my question, it's an honest question, is why did the same oil companies charge below $3 per gallon for four straight years under the Trump administration? Why did that happen? And you have to ask yourself that question before you buy into the rhetoric that somehow it's the fault of the oil companies when they are saying exactly what the White House has said in the past. We don't set the price of oil. We react to it. I just and then when they say, well, of course, they're making record profits. And that's the that's the issue here is profiteering. And our profits are insane and profits are bad. They've done the same thing to the pharmaceutical industry. I'm not defending any of them. I'm just saying when you have the administration going after private industry and you've got part of the country shaking their fist in the air and saying, yeah, you have to look at other nations that have done this. You have to look at nations like Venezuela and where they have come in the last 20 years or so. What has happened with, with, with what Hugo Chavez did in Venezuela when you demonize private industry? And I'm not saying that all private industry is good. There are greedy people everywhere across the economic spectrum. There are greedy people on this planet. It isn't just wealthy people that are greedy, and most of them didn't get there by being greedy. The idea that you're going to demonize the oil companies without answering the question and someone, someone that has access to the White House should ask the White House that question. Someone in the White House press pool should be asking the White House press secretary, how is it that the very same oil companies that are uh, now are, are profiteering were charging less than $3 a gallon with the previous administration for the entire time of the previous administration? Wouldn't that be a good question at least to hear their answer? I just hope that we get around this and that somehow we have reasonable conversations about how we are going to solve the nation's problems instead of playing the blame game against private industry. Gatos joins me in a moment. It's the Big Q poll question of the day, so please stick around. The Gatos Big Q poll question brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. Good morning, Gatos. Good morning. How are you? Good, good. How was your Halloween? It was good. We were, uh, you know, this weekend we were in San Diego for a wedding, and uh, we were down at the uh, gas lamp district, and uh, we did this thing called a zombie crawl. Nice. You get like these, like uh, little uh, little tickets, and you can go to like a restaurant or a bar, and and they'll give you like a discount on the food. And dude, everybody was in costume. It was it was crazy. Nice. It was crazy. What what did you do for Halloween? Nothing. Well, that doesn't get ratings. You gotta at least make something I you, up. I told I mean, you. Now, listen. I told you that there was a a ghost series that I wanted you to watch, and I oh, couldn't yeah. remember the name. I'm telling yeah. you, please do it. You have to spend a little money because you got to rent it or buy it on okay. Amazon Prime. Okay, but it's called the Blackwell Ghost. Oh gosh, it's scary. Yes, yeah, seven episodes. And I'm not going to give any of it away, but I'm telling you, it is – I don't know if it's real or not. He films it as a documentary. Oh, that's always scary. But it is – this dude is – if it's not real, this is the most creative, terrifying guy <laughs> oh I've gosh. ever seen. And it's seven episodes, but you have to watch them in order because they okay, all well, link what? together. Well, why would I watch episode four and then one? Well, because sometimes documentaries don't go in order. You know what no. I mean? This, these go in order. And it's it's frightening. It is terrifying. Is it too scary? Because I don't want to no, watch no, no, it if it's too it's, scary. It's not, it's not bloody. It's not gory. No, but is it like The Exorcist? Because I'm not no, watching that. No, 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 no. It is like it is like Ghost Hunters. 
Okay. You know, like but they there's are, actually something they cool. Yeah, they are searching. He is searching the paranormal, and oh, I, I don't promote stuff like this. I am. I'm not into science fiction. I'm not into any of those things. I am hooked. I bought all wow. seven, and I've watched them all at least two or three times. You didn't hand any candy out last night. No, I didn't. You turned your lights off, didn't you? Yes, I did. You turned your lights off, and you let the kids down. I did. Oh gosh, I did. How disappointing. I'm sorry. Are you ready for my cue? Let's hear it. Goodness gracious. <laughs> uh, how much candy did you steal from your child after they went trick-or-treating? Some, half, all, and I don't feel bad about it. Hmm. Uh, I, uh, well, I mean, our kids are in their 20s now, so there was no trick-or-treating. Well, I saw, but, I saw a great meme that, that okay. explains what you're talking about. It was a mother talking to her child, and she said, I gave you life. You give me the Reese's. <laughs> oh, I love that. I, do I love too. that. Give me a good piece of candy. Oh, yeah. that's well, fine. If, if, if when you were trick or treating as a kid, yeah. if someone gave you an apple, did you try and throw it through their window when you were no, leaving? Because that's no, but I, I no, but we did throw them in the street. There you go. Yeah. Okay, you were nicer than I did. I, I did. Nice. And I probably had a better arm than you. I'm more athletic. Yeah, it's true. You do have yeah. that softball body. I am a so- not a, I have a, I am a softball shape. Yes. Okay. Thanks, man. All right, man. I'll see you tomorrow. All right. The BQ poll question today is brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. We talk about high schools next.